So how are y'all doing? Good? All right. Can we thank these guys for leading us in worship before they get out of here? Thanks, man. So if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, really good to be with you this weekend. Happy Labor Day. Good to see you. And um, I guess this one's about people who work, so all y'all have a job. Way to go, right? That's... Um, Good to see you here in church, those of you who are online, and we're really glad that you're with us as well. And so if you're new, if this is your first, second, third time, we haven't had a chance to meet you yet, we'd sure love that opportunity. So there you here in the room, um, there's a QR code on the seat in front of you. You could use your phone to shoot that QR code. That'll take you to our Connect card and let, you can let us know you're here that way. Or you could stop at the welcome desk on your way out, and um, we will give you a coffee mug full of really good chocolate. And if you let us know like how we could help you, pray for you, serve you in any way, those of you who are online, um, if you would hit the connect button and that'll take you to our connect card and we'd love to be able to connect with you too. So I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. I wanna be just really grateful to Pastor Greg the last couple of weeks. He stepped in for me and um, took my spot up here, which means a lot of extra work for him. And so when you guys see him, tell him way to go, good job. But I'm really grateful that he was willing to do that um, for me. And I'm glad to be back. I haven't, um, I haven't spoken in, well, I was out for three weeks. So I don't know, like we'll see how this goes. Um, I've got a lot to say, and uh, there's a clock in front of me that keeps counting down. So um, I'm really excited, though, about this. This weekend, we are launching a uh, three-week series on our vision. So what we as a church, when we look to the future, what we think God is calling us to become and what he wants us to do, and this is, like, I love getting to talk about this for you and with you, and so um, I'm really glad you're here, that you get to be part of this thing. So our vision statement as a church and if you guys who are part of this church know this, like this would be a really great thing. So we have a vision to be a church of generous people who honor Jesus, love each other, and serve our neighbors. And so you can see there on the screen, and um, that first little line there, we've got a couple of words that are italicized for you. The first thing, we're a church. We're not a club, we're not a team, we're not, we're not a community group, we're a church. And that has a lot of theological, biblical weight to it. And we've talked about it other times. And, and so this series don't have the week to spend on that, but just wanted to remind you that we, we are a church. And we wanna be generous people. And God has been generous to us. And so we wanna be generous in the way we live our lives, the way we handle our money, the way we interact with other people, the way we interact with each other. We wanna be, we wanna be a church of generous people, and then those three bulleted points there, these are the ones that we're gonna be talking about for the next three weeks. We wanna be a church of generous people who honor Jesus, who love each other, and who serve our neighbors. And so we have this vision statement, and alongside this vision statement, we also have a visual. So kind of what I've started calling it, is this just kind of helps us remember what we are as a church and what we're called to be, and it's shaped like a cross. So in this cross, and it's a little bit small for some of you guys who are maybe in the back, and I know you can see it online. So, so this cross has a, it has a vertical axis about our relationship with God, and it has this horizontal axis about our relationships with each other. And so our bullet points go along with these. You know, the, the vertical axis is about our relationship. We honor Jesus and the horizontal axis about our relationship with each other. So we serve each other and we, or we love each other and we serve our neighbors. And so we think about our vision, our life, and who God's calling us to be together and as individual people uh, in, in the terms of this cross. And 
and you have to follow the arrows to really get the meaning of this. Because you guys who are part of this church, you know, one of the things that, that I just, I cannot tolerate is try harder religion. Right, if, if you've got something going on in your life and, and you're, you think the answer to that from God for you is just to try harder, that's not the way he treats us. He pours out into our lives, he offers us, and we say yes and we receive from him and then as we receive from him, we have something to offer back to him and to offer to other people and so God's always moving towards us. He always goes first. In the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for our sins, and rose again from the dead so that we could have life. In his word, in prayer, he's always moving towards us and as we receive what he wants to give us, then we can respond and obey and live out the kind of life that he wants to give to us. And so we have this visual that is, I think it's incredibly helpful as you think about, okay, so what's God calling me to be and what are my next steps? So this week, as we're beginning this vision series, I wanna talk with you about the top part, the vertical axis of the cross, I wanna talk with you about honoring Jesus. And when we talk about honoring Jesus, almost every time I talk about this, somebody always says to me, okay, so we're, we're talking about honoring Jesus. Why do we say honor? Why don't we say love? Because the Bible says that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So why don't we say love Jesus? And it's a great question. Like, I'm really glad you asked that. So there's three reasons we use the word honor, all right? So just, we can kind of settle this down in our heart. The first is the word love in our culture. It's really broad in what it means. It means a lot of different things. And it is way broader than what the Bible's talking about when it talks about in our relationship with Jesus, how we love him. And so, so there's this broad semantic range in our culture that means a lot of things. It gets way outside what the Bible is. and so. So we kind of trying to shrink down this semantic range. The second thing, and this is, this is personal for me, but I think when I talk about this, generally it hits guys. It may hit some of you ladies, but it generally hits guys, and forgive me for stereotyping, but the word love often has feelings associated with it. And when you are talking about a love for God, loving Jesus, a lot of guys look at you and go, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, I don't feel that, I don't have the warm fuzzies as it pertains to my relationship with God. And like that was me. For a lot of years, that was me. That I was faithful as I could be and that I was interested and engaged and paying attention and trying to be obedient. But when somebody talked about loving God and they talked about these feelings they had, I didn't know what they're talking about. And, and that's changed for me in the last several years. But for a lot of time in my Christian life, I didn't know what they were talking Like I didn't have that. And I often felt like, am I falling short in this that I don't, like, because I can't make feelings happen, so am I falling short that I don't have these feelings? And so, so feelings aren't required. You don't have to have, <laughs> I hope that's great news for some of you, that the feelings aren't required, that that's where that gets broad again in our culture, that there's feelings, this idea, and so, so the love for God isn't, isn't about our feelings. And then the third thing, as we kind of keep moving to the answer for all this, Jesus made this statement, he said it several times. He looked at his followers and he said to them, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you, if you really love me, you will do what I command. And so he was really clear that there's this relationship that we have with him where, where he says what we're supposed to do and we say yes 
to that and do it. It's, it's not a relationship where we say what we think and he says what he thinks and then we kind of decide and we, and we do what we want. He set up this relationship where, where he says what we're supposed to do and the test, the test for love for Jesus is obedience. And so, so we have this relationship with him where he is the leader. Like unquestionably, he is the leader and we're his followers. And so we hold, the word honor means to hold in highest regard. And so when we talk about love for Jesus, he's really, he set the test of love for him is in obedience. Do you hold me in highest regard so that when I speak, you do what I say? And so, so those are the reasons there that when instead of using the term love that just, like our culture is just, it's gotten really broad in our culture, we kind of, bring it back down into this place where we talk about honoring Jesus, where we're, we're really clear on, on who he is and our relationship with him and how that flows out. And like this is Jesus, this is the one who has given his life for us, so we're safe in this leader-follower relationship. He loved us and he gave himself for us, and so we gratefully say yes to what to what he calls us to, and that's, that's the way we honor him. And so we honor him then because he's most worthy of honor. That's, we honor Jesus because he is most worthy of honor. Thinking about our time together this weekend, I was looking at Philippians chapter two. I wanna catch the tail end of this little, it's a beautiful poem, really, probably an ancient hymn. And verses nine through 11, in communion, we experience what the first several verses of this chapter talk about, how Jesus is willing to come and to become one of us and to humble himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And verse nine says, therefore, because he did these things in obedience to his father, therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we honor Jesus because he is most worthy of honor. Now here's the thing, you and I didn't decide that he is most worthy of honor. God the Father decided that and declared that to us. You and I, probably, probably, if it was just left to us to decide who's most worthy of honor, like we're, our natural bent is not Jesus. Our natural bent is ourself, it's our something else, like we would put something else in that highest position of honor in our lives, but God the Father has declared that Jesus is, he is most worthy of honor. And so, and so we honor him in every way. And, and these verses talk about this future day when there will be a universal acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is Lord. Like that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Every, every being that has ever lived, that has a mind and a will, will bow their knee and make the statement, Jesus Christ is Lord. So don't hear that word Lord, like don't hear that as a church term. Don't hear that like it's a religious word. That is a word about power and that is a word about authority, that is a word about who is in charge, that is about the one who is exalt, who sits on the throne. And not just of 
my little life, but of all things, there's, a, there's this future day when, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and all of that to the glory of God the Father. And so you and I, and we as a church, like, yes, yeah, we, we agree, we surrender, we submit to that. We say, we say yes, and, and not waiting until that final day, but in this one, we're people who, who honor Jesus because he is most worthy of honor. Everything about him, about who he is, and everything about what he does, he is, he is most worthy of honor for us, so we honor Jesus. So as we start thinking about that, we just kind of flesh that out a little bit practically. If we start thinking about that, we, we think about, like there's a million bullet points you could put under what it looks like to honor Jesus. And so, so sometimes it, like what that looks like in our lives can get lost because there's so many things we could put down there. It's like you could be shooting for everything and hit nothing. So we like to talk about three different particular ways that we honor Jesus. Okay, so the first one for us as a church is we honor him through corporate worship. Corporate worship, that word corporate is like the idea of a body. So, so we come together to worship him and we acknowledge, like worship is acknowledging his worth and we do that together. So we come together to worship him. And I wanna just, four things about the importance and about the value of corporate worship, about, about what we're doing right now in this moment, about what happens for us in this. So these four things from the Bible. The first one is, the Lord meets us in a unique way when we gather together for worship. He does. He, he meets us in a unique way when we come together to worship him. So Jesus was talking to his followers and, and he told them, this is in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, 20, he says, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, so he's talking about in prayer, we come together in prayer. Anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And, and so we all, by his spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus, his spirit lives inside of you and you always have him with you. Like he's, he's, he's always present in your life. But there's a unique presence that we experience of God when we gather together in worship. And so this is an important thing for us. This is cool. Some questions are only answered in the Lord's presence. Psalm 73, the psalmist is processing this huge life question. And his question is one maybe that you've asked. His question is, why is it that when I look around, I see people who do not care who God is and do not care what he thinks and they live like they're in charge of themselves and like I see people, why do they seem to prosper and the people who are trying to live their life according to God's standard and live under his way and his rule, why do we seem to suffer? Like, why does it seem to go so great for the people? Like, we have the promises and the blessing of God and it seems to go so well for those guys and it's, it's hard for us. And so he's asking this question and in Psalm 73, verses 16 17, gets towards the end of the psalm, he says, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. So he came to the place where, where God's people gathered together and he experienced the presence of God in a unique way and God answered his question for him. 
And maybe you've experienced that in your life in various ways where you've just you've been here with the people of God and, and maybe you didn't get like the answer that you would write on a test, but God spoke into something for you so that it was kind of starting to settle instead of being all stirred up in your life. When we gather together, when we're here in God's presence together, the, there's just some questions that get answered here that aren't answered anywhere else. Third thing about corporate worship, you need us and we need you. This is, this is a huge deal, spiritually speaking, that we gather together for worship. You, you need us and, and we need you. There are several different verses in the New Testament that talk about what happens when we gather together, when we're together for the express purpose of honoring Jesus. I just grabbed this one from Colossians chapter three, verses 16 and 17. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And there's just this teaching, admonishing, cheering on, stirring up. Like there's just all these good things that happen for us when we gather together. And you need this in your life, and, and we need this from you. I've told you guys this before, Marie and I, there's just been a lot of stuff happening in our lives, it's been hard this year. And I sit right over there in this corner and some weeks I can't, like I can't sing and say this stuff. I, just, I sit back over there, but you sing and you pray and, and you're doing for me what I can't do in that moment. And I need that in my life, to come to this place and to be carried along by, by my church as, as we engage together with with what God is doing for us. And so, so you need us and, and we need you. And then this last thing, what happens in here <laughs> makes a huge difference out there. Because we're about like what God's doing in our lives, but not just in our lives, about what he's doing in the lives of the circles of influence that he's placed us in. And what happens in this, in this gathering, what happens here for us when we come together, it makes this amazing difference out there I love these verses, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, written to people who are in the face of persecution, and if they come together, bad things are possibly gonna happen to them, like probably gonna happen to them, and so the temptation is to stay apart, because Christian people, like we're just, we're harder to pick off in ones and twos, but when we come together, they know where we are, and so the, the encouragement to them was, let's consider how to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but we encourage one another. And all the more as you see this day, the day where every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, all the more as we see that day approaching, we come together to encourage one another to love and good deeds. And that's what, that's what your neighbors, your classmates, your coworkers, your family, that's what they need to experience in order to see and understand and know who Jesus is. Loving good deeds from his people done in his name. And so this, this idea of corporate worship for us to come together, this is incredibly important for us to honor Jesus and live in submission and obedience to who he is and what he has called us to. And so, so what happens in here makes a huge difference out there. All right, so that's corporate worship. That's the first piece of what we talk about when we talk about honoring Jesus. The second part is personal worship. So what we do here is really important. 
and that you have a worship relationship, a declaring and acknowledging his worth relationship with him in private is also incredibly important. You have a great opportunity. You have a great opportunity to be in relationship with the Lord Jesus and for him to know and see your heart that you think he is, he is worth, like he is the most worthy. He is over and above everyone and everything else. And so when we start talking about personal worship, I think there's something that is important to remember. I, I think you know this. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's personal. We have a collective relationship with him, but the beauty of our faith life is that, that you can know him. And Jesus is praying in John 17. It's right before Jesus goes to the cross and he's praying for his followers. And one of the things he says in that prayer is about, he said, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. Eternal life is, I mean, sure, heaven when we die, but, but the beauty and the joy of heaven is a personal relationship that, that I, that you, would know the eternal God, the one true God, and his son, Jesus Christ, who he sent. So you have a personal relationship with the Lord and, and personal worship nurtures that. And so for you to be able to, to, to nurture that relationship in, in a personal way with him. And the second piece of this is there are some things that are just between you and your Lord. There's a lot about our faith that is like that we need each other and, and we're with each other and we're for each other. It's super important but there are some things that are just between you and the Lord, and your Lord. And Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter six, that's the Sermon on the Mount. And he was going after hypocrites at this point. He was going after people who like to stand in public places and make a big deal of their prayer times and you know, everybody thinks they're so awesome or whatever. But he talks in there, he talks about like when you pray, don't stand on the street corner, don't make a big deal about it. When you pray, go into your, go into your prayer closet, like go, go into secret. And he says, he says, your father who is in secret, like he sees what happens in the secret place and he rewards you for those things that happen in secret. He's, there, is, there is some stuff that's just between you and your father and there are some things that, that aren't gonna get answered for you unless you're in the corporate worship setting and there's some stuff that won't happen for you unless you're in that private personal worship setting. And so, so this personal worship thing is really important. And if you're wondering kind of what, what could that look like, here's, let me just kind of give you three pairs of words that I think maybe help you. If this is something that is new to you or something's kind of gone cold in your life or something and you're like, eh, I'm really busy and I'm not sure I have time for that. So let me give you these three pairs of words. The first one, what personal worship could look like is to read and respond. To read and respond. I'm talking about reading your Bible and responding to what you read. So, as you read through the Bible, some of it, like I will, I probably shouldn't say this from up here, but I'm gonna, some of it is really hard to read and sometimes it's like, I am bored, right? I mean, if you've ever tried to read through your Bible, okay, so we're just gonna be honest with each other but sometimes it's boring. And we fight through that because this is the word of God, right? He has spoken and he has something to say to me and so in faith, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna keep myself in this chair and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this but what happens a lot of times is you're reading through the scripture, you read something about who God is. 
And it is worship, it is personal worship, just in that moment, what you read about who God is, just to respond to that. Hey, wow, Lord, you are amazing. I can't believe you, you think that about people or you did that for somebody. You are incredible to be able to respond to him about like who he is. And sometimes you read stuff, this is amazing, I love the Psalms because the Psalms give me language, they give me words. Some, I don't know how to say what I'm thinking or feeling in a moment, and yet there are people of God, like, what they said to or about God, is it's written down there for you. And it is, it is personal worship to read what somebody else said and say, me too, <laughs> me too. I think that, I feel that, I believe that, I wanna experience that, me too. And so to be able to read and to respond. Second one is to listen and to speak. Listen and speak, and this is about prayer. And, and so listening and speaking, to, to listen what God might be saying to you, because prayer is talking with, not talking to, to listen to what he might be saying to you, and you've read some stuff in your Bible, so maybe he said something to you in that, or you're listening, his spirit lives inside of you, and so you're listening to what his spirit's saying, and, and you may not, like you may be brand new to all this and think that, that maybe that sounds, I don't even know what I would do. Like you could just sit there quietly and say, Lord, I'm listening to you, what would you say to me? You're my father, what would you say to me in this situation? What would you say to me about this? And listen to him for a little bit. I heard the most astounding quote a couple weeks ago from Dr. Carolyn Leaf in her book, Switch on Your Brain. 12 minutes per day of focused prayer for eight weeks, the changes to your brain can be seen on a brain scan. That there is this personal worship piece and and it's not just, if you sat and thought about something for 12 minutes a day, like if you gave focus to anything for 12 minutes a day, like you would, your neuroplasticity of your brain would take you that direction, but if you were intentional about it, to be time honoring, worshiping the Lord, what, what would happen for you in that is he'll renew you, like he will make you new. And so you have this wonderful opportunity to listen to him and to speak back to him and to, to share with him the things that are going on in your heart, troubles that you're experiencing in your life where you need help from him, he invites you into all of that. And then this last little pair of words is hear and do. So what you hear from him, remember, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And so when you hear from him, when you hear from him in his word, and when you hear from him in prayer, and he says, hey, you know, talk to this person, forgive this person, make this change in your life. Like, our answer is yes, like, yes, we're, we're gonna do this, because, because Obedience always leads to blessing. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna hear from the Lord and I'm gonna do what he says to me. And so this personal worship thing is it's incredibly important because if you love Jesus, you'll do what he says. So corporate worship, personal worship, and then this last one, sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. And we're talking particularly about money when we talk about this. That, and, and I think where this might be, if you've, in other churches or you've heard this taught on before and you haven't heard me talk about it recently, um, often we talk about giving money and we talk about stewardship and it is part of that, but, but giving, sacrificial giving, is, it's really worship. It's about acknowledging what Jesus is worth, his worth in our lives. So my friend, just a few things I wanna mention on this that are important to us. My friend Bruce Johnson, he's the, I don't know if he's the only guy who's ever said this, but he's the first guy who said it. He's the first guy I ever heard say it. So he gets credit from me. He said, you can give without loving, 
but you can't love without giving. If you love somebody, you'll give to them. And he's right. So you, can, you certainly can give without loving, but you can't, you can't say you love somebody that you don't, you don't give to them. And I, I particularly love the account in John chapter 12 where a lady named Mary brings this expensive jar of spice perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet and for no reason other than she loves him. For no reason other than she loves him. She pours it on his feet and she wipes his feet with her hair. And like this, this jar of perfume, if you read down through that account, was worth about a year's wages. She's never sat down and said, okay, what's 10% of my income? And is that before or after my, like she, she had experienced who Jesus is. And she knew, she knew his value and his worth. And, and that, motive, that love motivated her to pour a year's worth of wages on his feet onto the ground and to dry his feet with her hair. And John, who was there, he was there when this moment happened. John says, the whole house was filled with the fragrance of her perfume. So she had this, this private, intimate, personal, sacrificial moment with Jesus and everybody benefited from it. And so so you, can, you can give without loving but you can't love without giving. And so, so sacrificial giving is it's a big deal for us. And if I could just twist, like put a little twist on that statement, I'm gonna put our word honor in there. You can, you can give without honoring Jesus, but you can't honor him without giving to him. And, and one of my favorite verses in the Bible that talks about that is in Genesis. It's in the very start of the Bible, Genesis chapter 14. So I wish we had a long time to talk about this. Here's a few minutes, but there's this guy named Melchizedek. He's a priest of God Most High. So his name means King of Righteousness. All right, so hold on to that. And he is king over this city that is named Salem, and that is the ancient Hebrew word shalom for peace. So he is the king of righteousness by his name, and he is king over peace. The king of righteousness and peace comes out to Abraham, who is the father of people of faith, the Bible calls him that. So they meet in this field. So Melchizedek, the priest of God Most High, he brings out bread and wine. I don't know if you, like, you catching the symbolism here? We just took communion together. So the king of righteousness and peace brings out bread and wine and he's priest of God most high and he blessed Abram and he says to him, blessed be Abram by God most high, he blesses him, creator of heaven and earth. And Abraham's response to this, he gave him a tenth of everything he had. So this is, this is cross-cultural. This cross-cultural worship, you, this is not something that you would find in, in our culture but in, in the culture of the Bible and in the culture of the kingdom of heaven, 
It's just to set up going forward. In the culture of the kingdom of heaven, one of the ways we honor the king is to give to him as an act of worship. And so, so we're not talking about like, how much is 10%? Well, I can't afford to, like this, this is, blessed be the Lord God, like he has blessed me and so I respond to him through giving is an act of worship. And so sacrificial giving for us is when we talk about giving, we're always talking about it in the context of worship and of honor. For Jesus, this is, this is what you are due. So I wanna wrap all this up by asking you to think about your next steps in one of these three areas, okay? So we're a next steps church. I don't know if you knew that about us. We're a next steps church. We definitely want to deal with our past and we wanna deal with it appropriately, but we do not want our past to hold us back. We don't want, it to, want us to hinder it. We're not looking and staring at anybody's past. We're talking about future, about what's next. And so what's next? What are your next steps as we think about honoring Jesus as you think about what that looks like in your life. So what I wanna do is I wanna make some suggestions to you. These are, these are just, I'm trying to start a conversation between you and the Lord, because I think you ought to ask him about this stuff, about, about what are your next steps. Not, not I'm comfortable where I am. If, if, if you're saying you're comfortable where you are, that is not the vision, right? The vision is we're going forward in these things. So, so Lord, what are my next steps? So let me just kind of offer you a few of these things to think about from corporate worship standpoint. And not all of these at once. This would be overwhelming. Just ask the Lord where he'd, where he'd have you. So from a corporate worship standpoint, I'd suggest to you, like, maybe it's be here more often. I don't know what your attendance patterns are. I know that the church in general across the United States, people, regular attenders are now here every third to fourth week. You need us and we need you. And so, so maybe what we do in this room, maybe the Lord would say to you, hey, you need to be there more often. You need it and the people around you need it too. So maybe he's saying that to you. Or maybe be here and come with the idea that I'm gonna be a blessing. By my presence and my participation, I'm gonna be a blessing to the, to the people who are there today. And just to know that, to come with the sense of expectation that not are you, only are you gonna receive a blessing, but you're also gonna get to be a blessing to the people who are part of our worship gathering. So for corporate worship, those are a couple of suggestions. For personal worship, for you, four or more times each week. 2009, there was a study by the Center for Bible Engagement, and what their study revealed was people who engaged with the Bible three days a week or less, had basically the same impact in their lives as people who never engaged with it. But people who engaged with the Bible four times a week or more started seeing change in their life, victory over sin, like wins in their relationships, that, that it was like they were becoming different people because they're engaging in personal worship with God four times a week or more. And so maybe consistency's a thing for you. And so maybe it's like just that you're gonna, you're gonna do what it takes with your schedule and with your self-discipline to get before the Lord to hear and do and read and respond and listen and speak four times or more a week. Or maybe, maybe you're thinking something else. I put that little line in there for you. I want you to know it is really hard to mess this up. If, if, you're like, if you're like, I don't even know what I would do, can I just tell you, you have a Father in heaven who loves you, you have a Savior who died for you, you have a personal relationship with them, and if you will just sit down in front of them and say, here I am, <laughs> you're winning. It's, it's really hard to do this wrong. 
And so to just recognize, like, okay, I am, I am not gonna be afraid of messing it up anymore. I'm gonna show up and see what God would give to me, what I could receive from him so that I have something to give back to him and to other people in our lives. And then sacrificial giving, this last one, give till it tickles. Okay, so I stole this from a guy named Steve Green. When our kids were little, we had these tapes we played in our cars with Bible verses, and Steve Green would sing them, and there's this song that he would sing about God loves a cheerful giver. That's from Philippians. And, and there was this little section in there about don't give till it hurts, give till it tickles. And that has stuck with me that if, like, if, you, are, if you are not giving and you're looking at it and you think, oh, that's gonna hurt, or if you're giving and you're thinking, man, this hurts, you're probably not giving enough. Like, there is a point you will hit in your sacrificial giving where it will tickle. It's because God loves a cheerful giver and he will be with you in all of that. And so as you think about your giving, just like, are you honoring the Lord in your giving or are you, are you kind of stuck in that, like trying to figure it out in the math and make it all work? Just, could you be more like Mary who just said, here, Jesus, <laughs> here you are and, and I, am, I am pouring this on you and the fragrance of your worship will fill this place and this community. And so those are, those are some things to think about and to begin your conversation with the Lord about like, what are your next steps? We're a next step church. And I'm telling you from beginning to end, one of the biblical principles that we hold on to when we think about our vision and we talk about what kind of people we wanna become, that God always blesses obedience. People who say yes to him. You may walk through, you may find yourself in a fiery furnace, you may find yourself in some deep waters, you may find yourself on a, on a wide open space running in paths of grace. Everybody who, everybody who says yes to the Lord and walks in paths of obedience when you talk to them, their answer to you is, yeah, obedience is leading to blessing in my life. And so, so we are yes people. We, we are people who are gonna honor Jesus together individually with the way we live and with the way we give. And so I wanna pray that for us. Would you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? So Lord, thanks for a chance to talk about these things that, that we know you're calling us to. And Jesus, you are, you are most worthy of honor. You are most worthy of honor. And it's really easy for us to let ourselves, other people, something else take that spot that you deserve and that you will for all eternity have in our lives. And so just in this little moment, we're, we say yes to what our Father has said about you, that you are exalted and you have a name that is above every other name and you are worthy of every knee bowing and every tongue acknowledging that you are Lord. And so we bow our knees as your people in submission, in surrender, in gratitude because you are good. And we say to you that you are our Lord and we're so thankful that you would be Lord over us. So may we be the kind of people who give you the honor that you deserve. And Jesus, we pray these things in your name, amen.
Thanks, guys. So good to be with you. Thanks for being here. Um, I love you. I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. We'll see you next week.